0: Hello, hello, hello. I am your Diana Ross, hostess with the most is Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always Sheen. in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good. Show oh, you how to. Oh, run. God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. I got my goosebumps. <laughs> Repairs to Renovations Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today You can do this when you Angie that Hey there and welcome back folks Once again, I am your hostess with the mostest Munoz And how are y'all doing? It is the end of February, the year is flying by And I am conjuring the spirit of Diana Ross today, the boss, because I am the boss, bitch. (laughs) Oh my goodness, actually, um, I had a wonderful weekend and celebrated a friend's birthday at a New York City gay bar called The Monster, and on Sundays they do something called Disco Tea, where it's all disco, all night long, and it's probably one of the most fun places to be, albeit on a Sunday, because talk about Sunday scaries into Monday, you know, you because it's real easy to get carried away and be there till all hours of the evening, folks. (laughs) But yeah, I'm also a boss bitch, you know. I've been self-producing this podcast, and now you may have seen on my personal instagram i'm self producing all these videos and i was just thinking to myself how how do people do it how do people do it you either have to be independently wealthy or you know have fa- or mom and dad are fitting the bill here or you have to have no social life because you know this podcast takes hours for me to produce out as we know and then or you may not know actually and then these videos take Forever, forever. And listen, I am a lady of a certain age. I love, I love my social, you know, to be out and be social. I love putting down my freaking phone and forgetting about it. And so, uh, yeah. And as someone who's been in this game a long time, since 2009 to be exact, and have, who has had to, um, you know, restart and reinvent himself or had stuff stolen and had to start all over. It's, it's not easy. And I just don't know how y'all, some of you who are killing it out there, um, are doing it right. And having like full-time, full-time jobs and getting all this video production done and so on and so forth and still have time to see people and do the things you love Yeah, that's the soapbox I'm on for (laughs) today. Another soapbox I'm going to get on today is about, um, you know, just bringing guests on this podcast and the quality of guests I bring on. You know, everyone is welcome to the to the pod, but I am in a space of not having people on just for the sake of having people on. And as you may have guessed, I am flying solo today for that reason. Also, you know, niche podcasting, you know, just celebrating queer people, LGBTQ people in the food space. You know, I'm gonna there are times where these people are just MIA or, you know, living their own lives and just need a moment to, you know, come on over and into my space and into my house to tell a story and I'm trying to bring you quality over quantity and also trying to think of what is next on this beautiful journey that I have been on for over four years now. If you have any suggestions, I'd love to hear them. You know, I'm forever trying to get y'all out there because I know you're listening. I see the numbers to talk to me. So feel free to email me at inyourmouth.com nyc at gmail.com or you can always talk to me. I respond to everybody, even those of you who slide into the DMs with all the with all the dirty nasty pictures <laughs> at in your mouth pod on Instagram or my main at the kitchen. Gaily, that's daily with a G, on Instagram as well. I'm also on the TikToks at The Kitchen Gaily. I'm doing the most these days and trying to suss it out where I feel I don't feel overwhelmed. And at the same time, I still um, enjoy what I'm doing, you know, because that's what ends up happening. And I've talked about it uh, with like Rosie Pelosi and other people about the burnout. And I just don't want to be burned out for any which reason and i'm i'm in a space where i'm having a good time with it but it is occupying a lot of time especially since i am somebody with a day job but moving right along in the grand tradition of in yo mouth i need to wish y'all out there happy national banana bread day oh god did uh, <laughs> did y'all have some uh PTSD out there, uh, the banana bread from all the quarantine. I mean, the banana bread that everyone was making. You know what I didn't do during the quarantine? I didn't put out a lot of content, and I didn't make banana bread, for sure. Um, I am a, a good banana bread stan. Uh, little known fact, if you're a Sex in the City fan out there, Mario Cantone sells his banana bread to places in this city, like a bakery in this city someplace. I should have looked that up. And also, shout out to Ali's Banana Bread. I support her very much. She is also a boss, a bitch, right? Just, you know, came up through the through the quarantine and through... You know, the pandemic just selling her banana bread and now has a space of her own and does banana bread drops. And, you know, we support the people who support us. And shout out to Allie's banana bread. But I went down a road, an odd road or hole in the internet of where banana bread came from. And there, I found this website called foodreference.com. Uh, three things to consider bread, quick breads, no yeast, and banana. The first breads probably originate from the Neolithic times, some 12,000 years ago. This was a very primitive bread, probably made from stone crushed grain mixed with water and cooked on hot stones and covered in hot ashes the egyptians probably discovered around 4000 bc that wheat dough ferments think like sourdough thus forming gases producing a lighter more pleasant eating and tasting loaf the banana originated in the southeast you know probably in malaysia area and spread from india to the philippines new guinea etc it was cultivated Uh, by about 2000 B.C., but these people were rice eaters and wheat was unknown there, so breads weren't part of their culture. Theophrastus, a Greek naturalist philosopher around the 4th century B.C., in what is probably the first scientific book on botany, describes the banana plant. We know that the Greeks made bread with honey, spices, and fruits around the time of Pliny, 23 to 79 A.D. Lots of facts. (laughs) I'm educating the kids today. And we also know that Pliny had a knowledge of the banana. He also described them in 77 A.D. So it could be that the Greeks have made uh, banana bread a possibility since they made bread and they had banana but flatbreads, non leavened, were made throughout the Middle East as early as seven thousand BC. But did they have bananas? Probably not till much later. Um quickbreads, chemically leavened, which most banana bread recipes are, weren't developed until the eight till the end of the 18th century. This took place in America where pearl ash was discovered. Pearl ash is a refined form of potash, and it produces carbon dioxide gas in dough. In American Cookery, which I actually have a copy of, it's a a 1796 uh, cookbook, and it's also the first American cookbook, Amelia Simmons published recipes using pearl ash, and we exported some 8,000 tons to Europe in 1792, but she has no specific recipe for banana bread. Baking powder was not developed commercially until 1857, so the banana bread as we know it, a quick bread, could have been first made in America in the 18th century when housewives discovered pearl ash as a chemical leavening agent. (laughs) Weird. I love things like this I really really do love this sort of thing and these random facts of whoa like someone really deep dived into like where bread came from where the bananas came from and then the peoples who had both at the same time and if they were putting them together you know I really want to know who invented banana bread. It is delicious, you know, especially if I feel like people don't know to like grill it, you know, like take a good slice, grill it on both sides, put a little butter on it. You know, gild gild the, li- the lily, folks. Gild that MF banana lily. And, you know, I always have frozen bananas in the freezer because... I love a good nice treat, nice cream, fake ice cream treat late at night um, because I do have a little bit of a sweet tooth after I have all the salt intake that I can take. (laughs) But no matter what you celebrate out there, whether it was the Greeks, the Malaysians, or the Egyptians, um, or... The discovery bananas or Ali's banana bread? I don't know. Um, we stand a banana here. Um, the bigger, the better, you know, and the and the spottier, the more delicious. And we also celebrate you. (laughs) And long-windedly, moving right, right along to this day in gay history, did you all know out there that in 1977, after a television producer cancels plans to develop a weekly series around her, Anita Bryant complains to the press that she is being blacklisted in Hollywood because of her crusade against the homosexuals. Now, you know, podcast listeners, I don't have the ages of people who listen to me out there. But I am assuming that podcast listeners are, you know, of the newer generation. Unless, you know, we're, oh, we're the new talk radio for, for the Gen Zers, the Gen Xers. Um, I, I forget which is which. But, you know, Anita Bryant if you didn't know, is an American singer and anti-gay activist. She scored four top 40 hits in the United States in the late 1950s and early 1960s, including Paper Roses, that reached number five on the charts. She was also the 1958 um, Miss Oklahoma beauty pageant winner and was the brand ambassador for the Florida Citrus Commission. Anita Bryant gained a lot, a lot of fame for her anti-gay crusade. And there's this famous moment where um, a gay rights activist uh, pied her in the face um, on national TV. And there was a big movement of boycotting the the Florida Citrus Company and Orange Juice for a very long time. She ended up losing um, that... that, Sponsorship with that commission because of that. Her involvement with this um, anti-rights, gay rights campaign, uh, really, you know, just upset a lot of people, and um, a lot of prominent figures in music, film, and television um, retaliated by boycotting the orange juice that she promoted. Though the campaign ended successfully with a sixty-nine. 69- Percent majority vote to repeal the ordinance um, in Florida in June 1977, uh, Dade County restoring this ordinance in 1998. It was a discrimination or- ordinance on the basis of sexual I- discrimination. Um, it permanently damaged her public image, leading her, her contract with this Florida Citrus Commission uh, to be terminated. This, as well as her later divorce with Bob Green, damaged her financially. Bryant never regained her former prominence and filed for bankruptcy twice. She lives in her home state of Oklahoma. A, I didn't realize Anita Bryant was still alive. B, they make reference to Anita Bryant uh, several times in my favorite series, The Golden Girls. And C, karma's a bitch, (laughs) y'all. Karma is a bitch. Oh, girl. I don't know. It's just it takes a lot of effort to be a terrible person. Even if you believe for even if what you stand for and you believe is right. I mean, I just don't know. I like you know what, good night Anita Bryant. Um I I hope you're happy in in Oklahoma. I wish I wish you well because I do not have a mean spirit in my in my bone and i and i wish maybe along the way you've you've learned something and your heart has changed and moving right along into today's episode speaking of change um i have been on a mission to because I'm old now to if I get up because, you know, I'm an old man and I get up to pee a couple times in the evening, even though I stop drinking, you know, liquids around eight o'clock at night, unless it's the, the weekend. I've been on this mission to get up early. If I get up to go to the restroom or something or if I wake up anytime after six, the rule is is I have to get up and i start my day and it's actually proven to be really beneficial cuz i'll have a little bit of coffee and i'll force myself to get on the treadmill you know i don't want abs i've had abs right they're great but i i don't need them my my dad bod i am happy with as long as my clothes fit so i am working i am working through the gay body dysmorphia and also i just feel great it feels good and to start your day, and then I feel like I've accomplished a lot by, like, 9 o'clock in the morning, and I still have the whole day ahead of me. But I was wondering what what that was and why it's this thing that, like, as you get older, you wake up, and it's, it's a hormone thing, and your body stops producing um, amounts of melatonin and... Another hormone. I lost the article here. Where is that article? I have. Um, I don't know. I lost it. Anywho, your your body stops uh, produces less of these two hormones, making it um, you know your your sleep a little less. But I and your sleep cycle a little less. I am not a doctor. You know, I only consult you know, WebMD and the medical internet for all my information. But it's just really, really interesting. And I feel like it's also changed and been really actually very good for my diet, changed the way I eat in in this cycle. So it's all been good. It's all been really healthy. I have been trying to just, you know, I'm not calling it a diet, but I've just been eating better things, you know, and watching my fat intake and um, trying to avoid, uh, trying to intake, um, you know, healthy fats and I, I have never been a person who's had a lot of snacks in the house because of, you know, I'm a snacker and if there's a cookie or a cake or even chips or whatnot, they will not last more than a day a day and a half in this house. Hence, the nice cream or anything I have in my house, I have to cook. Even dessert, like the fake ice cream, I ha- it's an effort to make it. So sometimes it deters me because I'm like, I don't want to do the dishes, and that's a process, and so on. and And it works, and I get my calories in. I'm not denying myself anything because if I want a slice of pizza later on, I know that even though pizza's not really a thing that I eat very much of uh but I can have it because I'm not like really eating a lot of these things that are quote unquote not good for us and speaking of healthy fats uh, you may have heard that there's an avocado there was an avocado shortage out there but I am here to tell you that in between all the news on the war with Russia and coronavirus and everything like that. Yes, Martha Stewart is making a wine in conjunction with 19 Crimes because her BFF Snoop Dogg made that made a rosé with them, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> and I'm also here to tell you that never fear that. But the avocado shortage shortage uh, is the avocado ban is over. You may have heard. That um, a U.S. like inspection official got a threat by phone, and so they put a ban because he was questioning the avocados from Mexico. So apparently, they there's this one there's a few farms in Mexico that um, supply all the avocados, or one of the supply major suppliers, and it's like this eighty billion dollar business. And um, there's these American inspectors that go through to, you know, quality control and whatnot, make sure everything is on the up and up. Because if you're a food news update fanatic, we have learned that cocaine has been smuggled in avocados before. <laughs> and I'm sure that's something they search th- for as well. But the question uh, this time was that if the, uh, the avocados look different. And so the question was, were the avocados coming from... Another farm and being passed off. And my thing is, if they were coming from another farm, who the fuck cares? Like as long as the avocados are good, give me the avocados. And if you don't like avocados out there, um, we are not friends. Okay, <laughs> I need. I mean, I don't get it. Avocados are delicious. Just, it's nature's butter. But um, apparently, it's it's over. Like, people have made peace, but it, it's really interesting on how sensitive and how easy it is for, for things to go awry very quickly. And then how the trickle-down of all of that to have a major effect on all of this. I don't make a lot of money. And even, like... Thank God there are these fruit stands near me on the street that I can get an avocado. But like that's the same what I call same day fruit. Like you either have to freeze things or or eat it same day. That's fine. But avocados elsewhere are expensive, and so that trickled down to us. I mean, gas prices are gonna about to go up because of the news and everything else is happening in the world, and because of that, um, shipping gas prices and the shipping. Uh, because of the pandemic is already up and the trickle down happens to us, the little people all the while. Right. Okay. So think about it. If avocado prices go up and thank God they're not going up, but they probably still will because the gas prices are going up. And so that reflects the food. And then there's a supply ch- chain shortage in everything. So those prices are going up and then, I mean the methane ga- the meat prices are up because of the supply shortage but those but it's still affecting the ozone layer I mean we are screwed people we are screwed and there needs to be an answer and more people need to be talking about it because I need my avocados um I can do a plant-based you know week uh you know but like I like a meat w- once in a while I I can compromise on the meat. As long as I'm allowed to still have it, I I can compromise on it for sure. But still, those the the vegan foods, although there's more of them nowadays and so you can find things, but like the really good ones are still expensive as well, and it's all it all goes back to supply chain and the gas. And it's crazy to think about that like this just one little thing domino effects into a million other things, and it all comes back to politics and how the little man gets screwed. And I didn't realize that I was going to get on this soapbox today and get really angry about it. (laughs) Because I'm not huge into politics. I try to educate myself. I, I, I I don't claim to be, you know, very politico. I, You know, I can't go toe-to-toe with people about it. But this is a mess. And what is the answer? The answer is voting. The answer is voting and voting good people into, into our society that make good decisions for us. Because the, this is all happening because of people who we've elected to make decisions for us. Think about that, y'all. Think about that. (laughs) And I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, why do I have to go to Whole Foods? And even if I'm buying, like, the cheaper brands, I still walk out with, well, that's my problem. (laughs) Because I go go for eggs, and I walk out with not only the expensive eggs, because they're in a pretty package, right? I didn't have to buy the expensive eggs. But then I'm like, ooh, what is this? Ooh, what is that? And all of a sudden, it's $70 later. I'm like, how did I spend this much money when I just went for dill? You know? (laughs) Oh, God, guys. I mean wow i just i just spun myself right talking to myself mind you get get that through your heads i just spun this all around and spun us into a place of voting and politics because of avocados and trying to eat better and the shortages and war and pandemic, and I know this is supposed to be a break from the news, but food news is news, and it all trickles down. If you think this has no effect on you and you are unbothered or you shouldn't care because of X, Y, and Z, listen, you have your right, but this does affect you. Every little freaking thing affects you. And it's maddening all of a sudden. I just got mad. Angry, I should say. Oh my god. I, You know what? I'm just going to take a break right now to throw an ad in, and then we're just going to go right into Food News Update. Are you okay with that? Because I need some joy. All right. Play the ad. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. All right, I regained my composure, and now it's time for... Food News Update! Food News Update! Food News! Food news. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl! Smell the tea! Food news Update! Someone stole 60,000 bees from a Pennsylvania supermarket chain! A spokesperson for the giant company said they are extremely disappointed by the recent beehive theft. And just when I regained my composure, this shit happens. Why, why do you need to steal bees like bees? We understand, and I always say it here, that we're killing the bees. We need the bees. Let's save the bees. And then some ass had to go out and steal bees. What? I don't get it out of all the things to steal. And I go, are bees? Listen, are bees big bucks? Are are there, is there? I I should have looked that up, right? What do bees cost? Because bees are big bucks and, uh, but still, there's no excuse for stealing. Really? I mean, so Giant, which operates 190 supermarkets under the Giant name, announced the completion of a seven-acre pollinator-friendly field at its Carlisle, Pennsylvania headquarters. In addition to planting more than 20 different kinds of wildflowers, the company also partnered with the Planet Bee Foundation to add and maintain several beehives in the fields. From almonds to zucchinis and countless fruits, vegetables, and nuts in between, nearly one-third of our food supply depends on pollinators, making bees an essential part of our food supply chain and ecosystem. The giant company's president, Nicholas Bertram said at the time, "A pollinator field provides us with a unique opportunity to educate our team members, customers, and the community about the the crucial role bees play in getting food onto their family's table." I mean, but according to PenLive, the hives were held around sixty. The, the hives that held sixty thousand bees were taken at some point during. Uh, January twenty eighth to January thirtieth, so that's the last month. It's uh, Jessica Groves, Giant Giants Community Impact Manager, said we are extremely disappointed that this happened and are continuing to cooperate with the Middlesex Township Police Department. B thefts aren't completely unheard of, according to Food and Wine. Thank you to Food and Wine for all of my food news, even though you're not a sponsor, and I'm still waiting. <laughs> So California almond growers, which rely on honeybees' natural pollination skills, reported an increase in the number of beehives that have been stolen from their properties. According to California California Farm Bureau's Ag Alert, one million acres of almond blossoms require twice as many apiaries. As a result, up to two-thirds of the beekeepers in the U.S. lease their hives to almond farmers' annually annually oh my god so there is money in this a lot of money if you're leasing bees oh my god think about that like leasing a car I'm just going to lease my bees out to you um wow leasing bees could that be a drag name leasing bees I mean, uh, this person wrote this article. Why would someone steal beehives? It's possible that they could be taken and sold off to other farmers or beekeepers who either need additional colonies or who need to make up population numbers after their own bees have died. The bees died because of overworking. That's a big thing with the almond milk, right? Is that they're overworked because... Of how the fields need... How do you overwork a bee? I don't know. I, I have no idea, but that's a thing, too. Today's about things that make me angry. I, uh, <laughs> and things that like the trickle-down is just going to affect us all and cost us more money in the end till everyone is poor, except for the rich people who aren't rich, right? I mean, what are we going to do? How do, you, how do you stop somebody from stealing bees? Think about that. How do you stop somebody from stealing bees? I guess are, are hornets our hornets bees enemies? Could we like plant decoy bee nests? And then when they go to steal them, they get like a hornet's nest and then get their just desserts. I don't am <laughs> I know. I am not I am not Wiley Coyote and like the they are not the road runner. This is not some Looney Tunes sort of Warner Brothers sort of scheme here. But there has to be a solution. And why are people terrible? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm real listen, folks, I'm in a joyous place in life. So I don't know where this podcast is coming from today. But I do know that I am not here for bee theft. And we have to keep our bees safe so we can so we can eat. Swedish researchers really, really, really want your urine. Yep, that's what I said. Apparently, your pee is too valuable to flush down the toilet. It's full of nutrients that can help plants grow. <laughs> this one's for all the homosexuals out there into water sports, I guess. <laughs> Thank you to the takeout for this article. Uh, researchers in Sweden may have found a practical way to recycle human urine into fertilizer, according to the Journal of Nature. A team of scientists from the Swedish universi- University, Swedish University—that's hard to say—of um, ag- Agricultural Sciences in Uppsala, Sweden, are experimenting with this technique in Gotland, a Swedish island. Ir- island currently dealing with water scarcity. The proposed process is dry the pea into chunks, hammer those chunks into powder, and shape that powder into fertilizer pellet-sized for standard farming equipment. Then, grow barley with it, sell that barley to a brewery to make beer, and voila! The earth can be soaked in pea another day. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Who wrote this? (laughs) Rima. Parrick, thank you. I love this. This is hysterical. Um, yeah, think about that. So then, we'd be drinking for those of, for those of you beer lovers out there, uh, pea beer essentially. And this goes back to the water sports gaze, right? No shade, right? I support you. That's not for me, but good for you. I mean, this this sounds great. I mean, why not? Why? not. And then think about it. Then if we put this into effect at like places like Coachella and things, think about all that urine collection we could be doing to to be recycling pee into fertilizer to help our plants grow, right? In a natural way using natural nutrients. Now, I, folks, don't go out there and start peeing on your plants cuz it doesn't work like that cuz they have to take out the bad stuff, right? Like the waste, and keep what is good stuff, which is I think phosphorus where is that Um, where is that nutrient part of this it's like phosphorus and something else Um, that's really good for the earth anywho um, yeah, pee why not, I mean I also went down a hole of urotherapy on the internet Feel free to go do that yourself. It's a dark hole of, like, first pee of the day and Eurotherapy. therapy uh, If that's for you, that's for you. Consult a doctor. That is not for me. But I am here for these Swedish researchers trying to do something good for the earth. And last but not least, and this is my favorite thing I've read today, these fourth graders are protesting chocolate milk tyranny. Yep, you heard that right. These students led a very adorable protest march in defense of their favorite school, TREAT. Um, so a gaggle of California fourth graders launched a protest last week after their school district announced it would no longer offer chocolate milk in schools. As reported by ABCV. ABC 7 Los Angeles the protest was organized by a fourth grade class at the Sierra Vista K-8 through school outside of Sacramento California the school district announced it would remove chocolate milk from the lunch menu due to its high sugar content and the students were rightfully irate I mean who doesn't love chocolate milk It'll give me diarrhea, but, I mean, I've been drinking chocolate hazelnut milk. Delicious. So on the heels of this announcement, and shout out to all the educators out there. My degree is in education. I have been in, the cl- in, in front of a classroom as a teacher before. It is not easy. And, you know, our teachers are like the backbone uh, and the foundation of this, you know, world everywhere so this fourth grade teacher decided to channel her students ire into collective action the teacher rallied her students encouraging them to craft their very own protest signs to display during a protest march around the schools and then before embarking on their march she instructed them to also form arguments for chocolate milk's return you know, so this is great. She goes, "We're looking for the information to support our opinion." You can hear the teachers say in a news clip from the Sacramento News Station KQCA. After crafting their signs, the fourth graders headed out and protested um, outside of the school. Isn't that isn't that great? They were they were chanting, "What do we want? Chocolate milk. What do we want it now?" proof that civic action works a district official says chocolate milk will now return for one day every other week it's not much but it's something look at that that's awesome shout out to that teacher and shout out to those kids and what a great what a great lesson that if you truly believe in something um you can go out and you know fight for it and fight for it in the right way and I fully support that. And I think that's a great way to end food news update. (laughs) I will always be surprised when I do these solo pods on how quickly the time goes by. Where did the time go? Oh, my God. (laughs) goodness if you told me over four years ago i would be doing this and sometimes doing this solo and talking to you i would have said you are insane you are insane what else can i tell you out there folks you know notable eats in new york city this week or over the past couple weeks uh norma there's one in hell's kitchen and there's one in the east village it's like sicilian food sicilian italian obvious. Obviously, they make delicious pizzas. Oh, my God. They have one of those fancy like tiled pizzas, ovens in there. Very, very delicious. Um, I've been going back to like Sex in the City days. Like there was this famous restaurant because they went there called Cafeteria. Very gay. There's one that emulates it called Elmo. Um, And yet a third one that opened not that long ago called Motel Morris. There are Essentially carbon copies of each other, but delicious. Oh, my God. Had the most delicious kimchi fried rice. Mm. Espresso martinis are always on my radar. Way before that New York Times article came out about the resurgence of the espresso martini. Delicious. You have to have a good espresso martini, folks, if you're a drinker. Um. And what else? Where else have I been? Um, Sardis is back, oh my God, folks, if you are in New York City, do me a favor, and if you're in the mood for an old fashioned cocktail, you know, like a hot toddy, a Manhattan, you know, a good martini, a, a buttered rum, go into Sardis, right, and you can't go looking a mess into Sardis either, right? You have to look kind of decent and uh just go upstairs to the what they call the actors' bar, sit at the bar. And there's a guy that's worked there for 50 years. Can you imagine working? In, that's such an old school mindset, A, and B, working 50 years as a bartender in a restaurant and such an iconic restaurant as Sardis that's been open since 1927. 50 years? All right? He's seen everyone and everything. Uh, his name is Joe. He he works behind the bar. He makes a killer Manhattan, a killer cocktail. Tell him I sent you. It's, it's quite an iconic New York experience, and it really won't break the bank either. Um, decently priced, a great, great cocktail. All good vibes here for the end of end of February, New York City's doing its, you know, temperamental weather thing where it's 70 degrees one day and then below zero the next. Stay stay safe out there, folks. The subways are crazy. The streets are crazy. Keep your eyes open. We have to take care of each other. We have to take care of our planet. We have to vote. We, you know, all good vibes. I've been living in a great space and and finally feel like I'm out of like this like social media funk that and creative funk I've been in and I want to pass that along to you and please just write me, you know, write me, send me your good vibes back. I am always here for you to talk to you. And even if you just want to sa- send a note of encouragement, I love those too. And with that, I think all I have to say is, as always, I am blessed because of you out there. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for always listening to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth! I got the goosebumps.